Yo. Is going on, Mason? How's it going? It's going fantastic. How are you doing, Adam? I'm good. I'm good. Um, it's been a hot minute since we've uh, chatted, um, just because of our schedules and how we recorded the last podcast, and now we're recording this podcast on Wednesday, aka if you're listening to the podcast on Thursday when it comes out the, da- the day before. Uh, so we're really pushing the envelope with recording it. Yeah. Um, before we get into what we've been into, a uh, little ad read from Assemblage Bevco. Make sure you check out the website assemblagebevco.com for all your beverage merch. We've got some really fun t-shirts, hats. Um, what else we got? Uh, sweatshirts. We've got some wine workshops. I'm working on some new merch that should be out in the next couple of weeks as well. Um, maybe a little hint, hint, a little bit of golf merch. Uh, so... You can be wearing assemblage while you are playing on the course. I was hoping to have it done before our last podcast. Life got crazy and uh, ran out of time. But make sure you keep updated with what merch we have. Assemblagebevco.com. Check it out. And um, Mason's got a Premier Crew, only the finest t-shirt in the white color. Again, check it out. www.assemblagebevco.com. Dot com. And uh, Mason, like I said, it's yes. been a while. What have you been it's up been to? A while. You know, I'm doing the work grind, making sure the restaurant's running smooth. I'm doing what I can to, you know, take care of the wife and the life. You mm-hmm. know how it goes. Happy wife, happy life. Yep. You know, making it happen. Um, I feel ya. What about you? Yeah, same old, same old. I got a little bit of a different backdrop today. Um, I am still at my day job. Um, I've Yeah, I've been having some internet issues at work. So I am in my cubicle at work. I've got some uh, beautiful wine maps behind me. So it's actually a better backdrop for the video if you're watching this on YouTube. Um, but not ideal because I work about 45 minutes from home. So it's not great for the uh, the old commute after the podcast, but um, I'm being responsible, only having one Negroni tonight while uh, we're recording, and uh, then then I'm gonna go home and you know probably drink some tequila. But Mason, what are you drinking tonight? Yeah, um, uh, I'm just drinking uh, a little um, Elijah Craig, enjoying just a little splash splish. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Yep, little uh, splish, splash, splish splash, little splish splash. You know, uh, just really um, wanted to sip on a on a on whiskey um, as we prepare for the talk of this podcast. Yeah, yeah. Welcome back. Uh, we're episode forty four uh, of the Assemblage Beverage Podcast, and we are talking about batch and barrel. So we're talking about all things barrel aged. Um, and you know, just to kind of dive into batch and barrel, um, we're going to talk about some, some wood, some oak, some barrels. Yeah. We're talking wood and we're talking talking wood barrels. Yeah. We're talking talking wood wood barrels. barrels. Yeah. 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 The good kind of barrels. Yeah. Get your, get your mind out of the gutter. Uh, Hey, hey, hey. Your was, your mind was there too. Yeah, it was, but (laughs) yeah. What are you going to do? 
Yeah. So Mason, what are kind of the three main types of barrels that are used in most, say, wine production, whiskey production, and, you know, barrel aging spirits production, I guess? Yeah. So the three normal, I guess, normal, whatever, three most used types of wood, American oak, French oak, and the Slovenian Hungarian style. Mm -hmm. Um, And these, these woods, you know, come from their respective places and cost at a huge range, ranging from an average of $200 to $1,000 plus, plus, plus. You never know. Um, just like wine, food, alcohol, everything has its range. Who you mm-hmm. get it from, where they get it from, who grows it, all of those things can add to the price. Where like, you know, generally speaking, American oak being the cheaper version, ranging on an average of two to three hundred dollars a barrel. French oak being five hundred to three thousand, which is just a wow. huge range, right? Mm-hmm. You never know. And then I didn't really get pricing on the Slovenian Hungarian, um, but I don't know. I'm probably I'm assuming it's in that range of yeah. probably more expensive on the five hundred plus. But also, you know, I bet you it also. Everything adds to it, like your location and what you're purchasing it at. Mm-hmm. American oak being two, three hundred dollars for us here makes sense. I bet French oak is probably the same price, two, three hundred dollars in France. Yeah. You know? Yeah, and it also, you know, like not all barrels are treated equally. Equally, you know, it depends on the type of oak that they're using for those barrels. Um, you know, the varietal yeah. of of oak and and everything that all plays a huge factor into not only the price, but also what you're going to get from that oak barrel. So, you know, like with American oak, American oak is typically the most aggressively tasting um, oak. So a lot of the times American oak is used for, um, you know, whiskey, uh, bourbon. It's used for American wines, um, historically also used for Spanish wines too, which is kind of unique. Um, And typically you're going to get notes of, uh, coconut, dill, vanilla bean, baking spices, things like that. So it is very um, cedary. You know, it's it's hit you in the face with with oak and kind of those notes. Whereas you have French oak, which is kind of like your middle of the road as far as flavor goes. So you're going to get more vanilla, more baking spices, things like that. And, you know, a little bit more of like a toasted cedar note, a little less aggressive. And then you kind of have your Slavonian and Hungarian oak, which is going to be more so a textural oak. So it's going to give you more body and more viscosity to whatever you're aging in it in or whatever you're aging in it, um, as opposed to getting like those vanilla notes. You'll get a little bit of vanilla, a little bit of toasted cedar, but not as much as you would in the other types. So, um, you know, it really depends on a your price point that you're looking to spend, you know, if you're a distillery or a winery, or if you're just at home and you want to barrel age stuff, which we'll talk about later. Um, and it also depends on what you want to actually get out of said barrel, um, as far as flavor goes. Um, and then, you know, they all have different life expectancies. Um, you know, Mason did some research and like they could be 20 plus years. I mean, I've heard of barrels being over a hundred years old. Um, yeah, some of those like really ginormous barrels that mm-hmm. wineries have been using since basically they opened. Crazy. Yeah, 
Yeah, and you know, the longer you have the barrels, the less oak flavor you're going to actually get out of the barrel into your spirit, into your wine. Um, to a certain point, you're going to just get more of like that texture, that mouthfeel, and maybe a little bit of like oxygen oxygenation, um, which is something that I didn't really talk about before because wood is porous. So a little bit of oxygen can go in and go out without necessarily like the liquid coming out. Um, so you're going to get like that slight oxidized note, which is going to give you a nuttiness, um, again, depending on what you're aging inside of it. So, um, you know, it really depends on, on what you're looking for. Um, and then typically, so to go back first year that you have the barrel, you're going to get the most flavor out of the oak. Um, whether it's exactly so vanilla, most coconut punch. dill, mm -hmm, the most punch. Second year, a little bit less, so on and so forth. Um, but kind of a cool thing that, you know, I've been seeing a lot of, I mean, I've been seeing it for years, but um, I've been seeing it more so because I've been kind of getting more into spirits now. Um, so I was big wine and beer guy. Yeah. Now I'm turning into more of a spirits guy. Um, but I've been seeing a lot of different tequilas, different bourbons, different, even different beers uh, that are aged in different types of oaks. So I think it's, it's kind of a cool, almost secondary market, I would call it. Um, oh, yeah. you know, maybe a bourbon distillery, uh, cause I know, I think in, uh, bourbon County, they can only use new American oak barrels, right? Is that I true? I believe that's correct. But so I'm not hundred percent sure off the top of my head. So if you're paying say three to $500 for an oak barrel and you can only use it one year, then what are you going to do with that oak barrel? You can't age more bourbon into it. So you're typically going to sell that one-year-old bourbon barrel to, you know, a brewery or to a winery or to a, uh, some Another sort of distillery. distillery. Yeah. And they can use that to age whatever they have, which will kind of incorporate some of that like caramel bourbon note into whatever the next person's aging, which is kind of a cool, a cool thing. Yeah. We, we haven't really touched on this, but like there are some really cool things out there that have been aged in barrels like mm -hmm. that. Like yeah. one of my favorite uh, whiskeys I've ever had from Laws Whiskey from Colorado, they aged it in a port cask mm. and then a Calvados cask. Wow. And that was very, very cool. And like the taste of it was just like wild, you know? Mm -hmm. Just like yeah. adding all these leftover flavors into that whiskey that were just soaked into the barrel. Because again, like you said, the wood being porous, you know, really absorbs its flavors. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I've, I just, my brother bought me that bottle of uh, Don Julio Reposado Primavera. And it's a Reposado tequila that was finished in orange wine casks. So it kind of gives you like a citrusy like note to it, which is pretty cool. Um, yeah you know, to see that, again, someone's quote unquote trash is someone else's treasure. Um, so kind of that like reuse and recycle mentality is is great um, because they're not just like tossing those barrels out. And then the, the person who bought them initially maybe isn't getting their full money back, but they are getting something back for them to reinvest in, you know, another barrel or, or something else. So it is kind of a cool 
way to impart flavor into a different spirit or a different wine. I've seen some barrel uh, bourbon barrel aged wines. I haven't found one that I love, um, but typically they're aging a little bit less expensive wine in bourbon barrels. So you're kind of like, it's, you know, to me, it's not my favorite. Um, yeah. Some people probably love it. It's just not for me, but I will say I do love other you know, bourbon barrel aged rums, things like that. Um, I think there's a time and a place for it. So totally, you know, and just talking about like, just like your market getting back, you know, you get the, the barrel cost, whatever, maybe 70% of what you paid for it back. But then mm -hmm. you also got all of that liquid that you just aged in it. And then whatever that is. Right. So I think it's, again, well, the industry has survived so well, it's definitely worth it. Yeah. Yeah. Cause essentially you're, you're building some of that barrel cost into your final product that you're selling. So, um, yeah. I mean, you're, you've already made your money on that barrel. So just selling it is a way to kind of get it out of your inventory and maybe some money back for you to buy your next barrel. Um, so think of it almost like, a you know, a, a rental cost, if you will. Um, it's not really, but it made sense in my head when I said it, but it really, it, it's, it doesn't no. really make any sense. Now you that spread I said it over it the lot, years, but, like, yeah, like you buy a thousand dollar barrel and you last for 10 years, you know, what is that? 10, a hundred bucks, hundred bucks, right? A hundred bucks mm -hmm. a year. Yeah. hundred bucks a year. Well, that's not bad at all. Like, and then you can resell it for you, 500 bucks even. You know, right. then it's only 50 bucks a year. And then, and you made whatever X number of bottles, let's call it a thousand bottles per year or whatever it is, whatever you age. Mm -hmm. And, and you just resold those for another, you know, even 10 bucks, call it easy math. Again, 10 yeah. bucks, 100 bottles, there's a thousand bucks. You just pay for the barrel. Right. Yeah. So it's, it's definitely an investment, but it's something that has that resale market and, you know, the kind of quote unquote byproducts from after that first use barrel, I think sometimes in my opinion are better than maybe that first initial bourbon or that first initial wine that was even in the barrel because yeah. it can add complexity to something that, you know, maybe wouldn't have had, you know, from citrus notes like the tequila or, you know, a, a kind of a nutty bourbony note to a rum that might've needed that extra oomph. So it is kind of a cool byproduct, if you will, in that second year, second or third use barrel. So, um, yeah. and I kind of just wanted to give a little bit of a shout out to someone that engraves barrels. Um, I got some sent to me um, a couple weeks ago now, I guess. And um, I ended up sending the assemblage one to Mason, um, which is really cool. I think that picture was up on the Instagram. And um, it's a company called Engraving Scape LLC. They're on Etsy. Like I said, they did uh, they do custom engraved barrels. I think their barrels are like 50, 60 bucks with engraving. So can be a fantastic gift or, um, you know, maybe if you're doing a bachelor party or something and you want to get your groomsmen or bridesmaids something cool, you can kind of get them a barrel. Um, and it might even be kind of cool to give them a barrel that's already full of something, you know, yeah. full of a cocktail could be a great gift. Um, yeah. and it's not overly like break the budget, um, which is, you know, another cool thing. So, 
Um, but you can also kind of get those barrels on Amazon if you don't necessarily want it etched. Um, I think you can probably get them like hardware stores online, like Home Depot, Lowe's. Um, and it's special kind of order a, them. special order them. Mm-hmm. But having them engraved is pretty cool. Um, yeah. So you can kind of have them engraved with whatever you want. Um, I think I'm going to get another assemblage one um, and uh, made for myself so I can kind of barrel age some cocktails um, cause I know you are going to, which we'll talk about in a little bit. Um, but I kind of want to talk about what you can do if you buy one of those barrels. Um, because you know, 50, 60 bucks for a little barrel, you know, normally they're like a two liter barrel, so they're not yeah. huge. Um, but you know, kind of, what do you think either, what are you going to do with your barrel or what are some of your favorite barrel aged cocktails that you've had, um, experience yeah. drinking? Yeah. Um, you know, that's a great question because there are so many different things you can do. Like, again, you can go with literally anything, as you can see, um, from what people are selling, tequila, beer, wine, other spirits, aged and other spirits, whatever it is, Mm -hmm. and, um, just really add to it. Um, personally, I think brown spirits are the way to go for first timers because they have the age on them already from the barrel in which you're probably only going to slightly alter the flavor in which if you do seem to fuck it up, you aren't going to fuck it up too bad that you just like it created something. You just spent the money on something to make it undrinkable, which right. is a whole, whole nother problem. Like you just wasted all that time and that money on the barrel itself and the alcohol that you put in it. And it's something that you're just not going to enjoy and you're just going to have to toss. But, you know, there are so many different cocktails that you could add into it to barrel age. Like the one I'm about to do, which is going to be a Manhattan, which I'm very excited about. Um, I think it's one of the the best styles of barrel age cocktails you can have personally. Um, just because, you know, you add whatever flavor profiles you want with it. And it really just adds that vanilla oak note that you really mm-hmm. want do you have a ratio that you're going to use for your barrel aged manhattan i haven't actually landed on a full-on ratio but i do know i prefer my manhattans with heavier pour on the vermouth okay. so i'll probably end up making it you know somewhere in that heavy heavy pour ratio so because a typical manhattan is two ounces of like rye or bourbon or some sort of whiskey and then one ounce of vermouth. But yeah. you, you're saying you like more, maybe an ounce and a quarter, an ounce and a half of vermouth to your two ounces. Probably. So okay. I'll probably, or maybe even do, you know, point 1.75 of the, of the, um, bourbon and then mm-hmm. 1.25 of the, vermouth and kind of make it that kind of ratio nice but again still haven't landed on what i want to do and then also considering adding because i have this cool cherry liqueur um Mm. that um i got from my previous previous work that's just been a cherry syrup that i've been just kind of carrying around that's an that's you know all purpose ready to go been thinking about adding that in to give it a little bit of that kind of note but you know, again, I've been just playing with cocktail recipes, shaking them up and tasting them to see which ones I kind of want 
that flavor profile to kind of age and see how it grows. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. I think that sounds great. And like, <clears throat> you know, I love a Negroni that's been barrel aged. Um, you know, you could easily barrel age a, a Boulevardier, which is one of your favorite cocktails. Oh yeah. Um, you know, you've like, I don't, I don't necessarily drink a whole lot of brown spirits just in general. I mean, I'll drink some rum um, now and again, a little bit of bourbon, um, but you're definitely more of like the brown spirits guy um, as far as cocktails. And like you said, typically brown spirits will lend themselves a little bit better to barrel aging just because they already have that wood flavor in them. Um, and you're not necessarily imparting wood flavor into something that like doesn't naturally have it. Not saying you can't, but it, you have to be a little bit more careful. Um, Agreed. So, Maybe and I know you did like a white spirit, like, like a Blanco tequila or a vodka mm -hmm. or a mm -hmm. gin, how hard that could be. Because if you mask the flavors you don't want, it could crush it. Yeah. Yeah. And even, even like, you know, a, a vodka, because technically whiskey is barrel aged vodka to a, to a certain extent. It can be like, it depends yeah. what the, what the vodka is made out of because vodka can be basically made out of anything. So, you know, you can make vodka out of corn, you can make it out of rye, you can make it out of really anything. Potatoes. Potatoes. Um, and to be whiskey, depending on what kind of whiskey, you have to have different mash builds and stuff like that. So you could, in a theory, find a vodka that was made with corn or rye or something like that and kind of make your own whiskey if you wanted to yeah. um so that's something also to kind of maybe play with if you've got a couple barrels um you know find something that's not an overly expensive spirit but not something that's like a dirt cheap spirit because you barrel aging a crappy dirt spirit cheap. is really not going to make things that much better uh yeah it's just going to taste like oaky garbage um <laughs> So just kind of keep that in mind. And like, I, I see you have, um, we were kind of talking before the podcast about barrel aging a gin martini. Yeah. So that seems, I'm not a martini drinker, but that seems like something that could be really, really cool. Have you had one of those before? I have. And that was one of the top barrel aged cocktails I've ever had. Again, I'm a brown spirit drinker 90% mm -hmm. of the time. So I will always prefer it. But like, one of those oddballs that kind of was just like, whoa, hey, that is that is something special right there. You know, yeah. throws you through a loop. Uh, definitely was something cool. Um, what they kind of did to do it uh, was they got a gin that was mixed with also a slow gin. So it had a little bit of that sweetness to it. Mm -hmm. And then um, instead of using uh, a standard white vermouth or no vermouth at all uh, they used a red vermouth or sweet vermouth oh. and so it added a lot of components to it and i you could almost call it like a dirty gin martini but it was all these three different drink cocktail spirits all these three different spirits mixed together that kind of balanced really well but when aged added just so much to the juniper the juniper mm -hmm. added vanilla and it made it like almost like a perfect blend of like, like a dessert almost. Interesting. 
Yeah, that sounds really, really cool. Um, it's almost like a barrel-aged Negroni in a sense. Obviously, no Campari, but like, depending on your slogan, sometimes slogan kind of has like a citrusy note. Um, yeah. So it is almost like a a riff on like a martini and a Negroni, which is kind of cool. Um, interesting to do slogan in that and red vermouth instead of your typical dry. Yeah. Hmm. I would love to try that. Where was that? Uh, I had a place back in Arizona, so I don't okay. know if you're going to be having that. Yeah, but probably not. It was it was very cool. So yeah, it sounds great. All right. What about you? So I know you at at your restaurant were mm-hmm. aging cocktail or mock wine technically. Yeah. So that you could negate the the laws a little bit to make your own awesome cocktails from wine related. Yeah. So yeah. So essentially, um, when my fiance and I we had a restaurant a couple years ago, we sold it, but we um, didn't have a full liquor license. So we could serve beer and wine and like anything that was made from malt or uh, wine, basically, we couldn't serve anything that was distilled. So we could sell port, we could sell vermouth, we could sell sherry. Um, So because we didn't have a full liquor license, I still wanted to offer someone a cocktail if they wanted it. So I played around a lot with different vermouths, different sherries to make kind of fun cocktails. Um, And at one point I ended up barrel, I bought like a little barrel, I think it was a three or a five liter barrel. Um, And I was barrel aging uh, sweet red vermouth in it. And I think I barrel aged it for like 30 days and then essentially poured it out, strained it, and then used that to make a vermouth old fashioned and then also a vermouth Manhattan. Um, and then I actually found a product on the market that was already a barrel aged vermouth that you could buy like a pre-made one. So I think at one point I was using that like pre-made barrel aged vermouth for the Manhattan and then my own barrel aged vermouth for the um, old fashioned just to kind of give it a different taste. Um, And then I was playing around with a lot of different bitters because I could, it was so stupid because I could buy Angostura bitters, which is like 40% alcohol, but I couldn't buy say Aperol, which is like 18%. So it's like very, it was very strange what I could, what I could and what I couldn't do. And vermouth in times can be over 20% alcohol. So it's like, it wasn't necessarily about alcohol percentage. It was all about the distillation process. So kind of using that barrel to make vermouth taste more like whiskey. Obviously, it was still sweeter than your typical whiskey because there's a lot of sugar in vermouth. But again, it was just kind of a fun way to get people to think about what they could do um and it got a lot of people drinking vermouth that were like oh only old people drink vermouth or you know my grandma drinks vermouth type of thing and you know i was doing a an espresso martini with i was coffee aging vermouth so i would like coffee i would use coffee grounds and infuse that into vermouth and then i had like a hard latte um it was like a canned uh alcoholic latte drink So I was using that, the vermouth, I was using black walnut bitters and shaking it. And it had like a perfect crema, like a espresso martini, which was really cool. Um, Putting some espresso beans on top. 
That so we, cool. we, we made it work. Um, still people, some people were like, you know, they weren't nah. with the, uh, the vermouth cocktails. They'd be like, Ooh, this isn't an old fashioned. I'm like, I, I get it. It's not your typical fashion, but it's the best I can do because I don't have bourbon at my disposal, you know? And if I were to bring in a bottle of bourbon, I would be shut down, you know? So it's like, I'm doing what I can with what I have. Um, some people liked it. Some people didn't mess with it, but it was kind of a fun way to challenge myself. You know, I, I would make my own ice cubes using direct directional freezing. So I had like big rocks that I would serve it with. So it was a lot of fun and it was kind of a way for me to just do something that was different. Um, yeah since I couldn't do, you know, your standard cocktails. So yeah, it was fun. Um, at one point, I think I had two barrels going and it was a whole process in the basement. It was like a whole fermentation lab downstairs in my wine cellar. So it's kind of fun. That is very cool. All the things I heard from, you know, like your mom and other guests that went and just enjoyed those cocktails were always blown away. And when I came to eat, like all the guests I talked to were all like, man, so sad that this is closing kind of thing. And yeah, just like kept explaining all the cool things that you did. Go ahead. Yeah, I mean, we we really like with where we were, we really pushed the envelope with, you know, Olivia's food and, you know, our wine list. We did an all Italian wine list in a in a area that was basically Napa cab driven. And we said, fuck that. We're not doing that at all. Like we're an Italian restaurant. We're having an all Italian wine list. And, you know, it really caught on and like, I still get messages like, we miss you. Like, where, where are you guys at? What are you guys doing? Are you guys going to come back and reopen? And I'm like, fuck no, it was fun, (laughs) but it was also running a restaurant. If anyone's ever done it is extremely rewarding, but it's also extremely challenging. So, um, if you ever think it's a good idea, send me a DM before, before you do so and let me kind of give you the skinny on it. Cause (laughs) Uh, again, it can be a lot of fun, but it can also be a lot of not fun too. So, um, but yeah, I mean, it was cool to kind of do some different things and, and not having spirits at your disposal, you have to get really creative, um, and using barrels and different means to kind of mimic those classic cocktails. I actually did a Negroni too with, with vermouth, which is kind of cool. That uh, is cool. they make a vermouth, like it's a gentian amaro. So it kind of tastes like, a it's like hibiscus blood orange uh, vermouth thing. So I did like a Negroni. So um, I probably could have barrel aged the Negroni too, which would have been cool, but I didn't get to it. So um, another life or yeah, another, another barrel at yeah, here. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So I know you kind of touched on, um, you know, the barrel that, that was sent to you. So yeah. we know what you're putting in it, but before you just dump a bunch of bourbon and a bunch of vermouth into that barrel, there's kind of a little bit of a process um, yeah. to get your barrel ready. And I kind of want you to walk us through that um, because typically if you buy a barrel, they give you an instruction manual of like how to take care of it and everything like that. But I want to yeah. kind of have you like walk us through how you're doing, doing your cocktail and how you're going to treat the whole process, I guess. Yeah. So first thing first is choosing the right barrel. I got very lucky and didn't need to choose my barrel. I got the barrel sent to me, which is wonderful. Um, so now I get to use it. Um, then after you choose your barrel, you got to like prep it. And to prep it, you want to fill it with 
warm hot water, not scalding hot water, just like hot water. Mm -hmm. Um, and you want to fill it and just let it soak for a day or two. And that's just one to, you know, help loosen up the wood, the wood and let it breathe a little bit. And two, to also check to see if and where you have leaks, if you have them. Um, and if you have them, you just got to seal them real quick, you know, get a little, you know, sealant, non or food friendly sealant is the best choice to do so that you don't impart other things into your wood. Yeah, and they and make after... like they make like a, a wood wax that you can buy. Um, I had to use that a lot when I was barrel aging stuff because even after soaking them, sometimes you have slight cracks or the gaps don't quite swell when you put the water in. So you have to put some of the wood wax and it's safe for food and yeah. alcohol. So go ahead, May. Sorry. It, no, you're good. I I love it. It you know, we're just trying to protect your 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 spirit of choice. So that you just don't lose a lot of it. Mm -hmm. Then after that, choosing the cocktail. That's the fun part. What am I going to do? What do I want to do? Where do I want to do it? What do I want to taste like? And then after that, you just put it in there and leave it. Forget about it. Go do a fun thing for a couple weeks. Enjoy it. You know, and the best thing to do is each week you come back to it. You try it. You come back to it. You try it. You come back to it. Week to week. And that's the the best way to tell um, really how it imparts. And I would literally wait seven days every time. Try it. If you don't, you don't think it has enough flavor, come back next week. Try it. You don't think it has enough flavor, come back again. You know, and then when you find it and you're like, this is perfect, and you don't want it to age a single drop more, that's when you pull it out of the barrel. Mm -hmm. Pull it out of the barrel and decant it, basically. I've got a few different types of decanters. So I'm going to pour mine into probably one of my fancy fun ones, probably my wedding one because mine's almost empty anyways, and have a nice, beautiful barrel-aged cocktail and move on to the next one and do something fun. And that's basically it. It's pretty simple, pretty easy, and you just keep on trying it out. Keep on blending. Almost. Keep it's on not, blending. It sounds like almost. you're, just, you're keeping you know on blending what? over there. You keep on blending that flavor right in. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, and then it's kind of a fun thing. Like if you have friends come over or family come over, you can say like, Hey, this is my 28 day barrel aged Manhattan. Right. And it's kind of like a talking point. They're like, Oh, where'd you buy it from? Like, actually I made it. And it's a, it's a kind of a fun little talking point. You know, you can really impress some people. Um, and then you've got, you know, a, a cup, maybe a couple bottles of this barrel aged Manhattan that all you have to do is pull out an ice cube pour your cocktail that's already made and, and just enjoy it. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's yeah, one of the great that. things about, you know, barrel edging cocktails because they're ready to use and mm -hmm. pre-made, pre-flavored, pre-amazed, um, ice cube or no ice cube needed, depending on what you've decided to use. And awesome. Yep. You know, you've got the availability to use it at, birthdays, parties, anniversaries, events, weddings, caterings, mm -hmm. anything and everything, Adam's restaurants, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You know, you can have fun with it and choose all these amazing things to use your beautiful cocktail for or personal. You never know. Yeah. Yeah. And one, I would add one more step to Mason's thing. Um, just when you're decanting it, I would run it through like a mesh strainer 
just because there might be little pieces of like wood chips. Ch- like chips or almost like splinters that might break off in inside the barrel um so i would just run it through like a little strainer just before um just to make sure that there's no you know or sometimes like the charred oak will kind of like the the burnt part will come off into the cocktail so just to make sure that that's not in your drink and you don't have to worry about it i just run it through a quick strainer and then pour it into my decanters or my bottles label it and you're good to go yeah good good call right there i should have said that for sure but that is definitely the the final step yeah i don't know if you i mean you were already thinking about that barrel age manhattan after after a month or so your your mind is already in that place i'm ready i'm ready i'm excited it's coming up soon yeah i'll have to you'll have to send me a sample once it's done yeah i'll package it up in a little little mason jar and send it your way yeah but not through the mail we would never send alcohol through the mail definitely not um mason's gonna drive the barrel age manhattan halfway when when we play golf when we play golf mm, that would be uh, the dude. we'll do the exchange and uh you know, we'll, we'll, I'll have uh, some of Mason's barrel aged Manhattan, which will be pretty cool. Yeah, or all of it, and then we'll somehow get home. Yeah, and I think I kind of want to finish the podcast up, um, you know, just with our question of the day, which is more so like a Q&A. We want to hear about you. Yeah, we want to hear about you and your experience. Um, so we want to kind of hear about your favorite experience with a barrel aged cocktail, whether... It's a barrel-aged cocktail that you've made yourself. Um, you know, you've been gifted a barrel, you've bought a barrel, and you've done something. Or maybe you've been in a restaurant that has barrel-aged cocktails, and, you know, you have a favorite one that you've had. So would love to kind of hear about your favorite. Mason, did you already say your favorite? I, you've had? I've talked about a couple of mine, but, you know, I, I always can't determine what my favorite is because... You know, that oddball gin martini one was fire and Mm -hmm. just like absolutely blew me away because I was not expecting it to be so great. But again, I'm going to try something new if I see something cool on your menu. Always. That's my goal. Yep. But I've all I've had really fantastic, you know, barrel aged Manhattans. And most of the time I have it at like a a smokehouse or a barbecue joint that like just like kind of does on the side that. Yeah, kind of just like a linger that nobody really thinks about. But the the bartender that actually got the opportunity to make it is like somebody really invested in in their in their cocktail experience or in the cocktail experience, which most people don't really have cocktails when you go have barbecue. I feel like it's more beer style. Right. And they're just like adding all this awesome flavor and beautifulness to to that. What about you guys? Yeah, and I think it's a it's a really great selling point too. Like if you're a restaurant and you're barrel aging cocktails, put that barrel on the back bar and have people ask about it. Like, hey, what's that barrel? And it's an easy thing. Like, hey, you know, or pour them a little sample of like, hey, it's not quite done, but this has been aging for three weeks. We're gonna age it for two months, um, but I'd love for you to try a little bit just to kind of see where we're at. It'll be on the menu soon, or maybe you already have one that's done and you can say, hey, that one's not quite ready, but we have a barrel-aged Manhattan that we, exactly, and it's on the menu. Would you like to try one? And it's kind of a a selling point 
that you can use. And like people love a story. People are suckers for story, me being included in that. So if you kind of have something that like they can ask about and you kind of have like a little story to tell them, they're going to be sold on it. Maybe they won't get it because maybe they're not into bourbon or whatever you've been barrel aging, but they're going to be for sure to tell their friends or their family that are kind of into something like that. So really great selling experience. If you're barrel aging something, put that fucking barrel on the back bar and show it off because it'll pay off. Um, Oh, yeah. And kind of my favorite experience is probably more so with the spirits, um, you know, the the orange wine um, infused or the orange wine barrel aged um, Reposado tequila by Don Julio. Fantastic. Um, I typically don't make cocktails with it just because it's a relatively expensive tequila. And I think it's great just with like a chilled glass or with a big cube or something like that. Um, but I had a barrel-aged Negroni once, and it was pretty damn good. Um, It kind of cut some of the edge and some of the bitterness that you get from um, Campari sometimes, and it kind of mellowed it with some of that oaky vanilla characteristic. So it was fantastic, Um, and I don't really see very many barrel-aged cocktails on on menus. No, I think it's just like an investment, and sometimes it's just harder, but definitely worth it yeah and then you have to have someone that is passionate about that because they have to like treat that as like their own little project that they check in on every week and everything like that and kind of make that decision on when to pull it because you know if you just if you have bartenders that are just there to sling drinks and be done with it like it's going to be tougher to sell it but if you have say i hate the term mixologist but if you have someone that's really passionate about cocktails really passionate about their bar program, give them a barrel and see what they can come up with. Um, Maybe give them a a price point that you want them to spend on the alcohol inside of it. Like, hey, don't put, you know, Louis the 13th cognac in the barrel, but you can put a bottle of, you know, Woodford Reserve or Buffalo Trace or something like that. Give them something to play with. Um, And it it goes a long way for people, you know, if they feel like they can be a part of something and they can make a difference in the beverage program and say like, hey, this is, you know, Adam's barrel aged Manhattan on the menu or, you know, if they can come up with the name for it, like people love that shit and then they're going to feel passionate about selling it. And, you know, it's kind of like a, you know, it just keeps going, you know, it, it makes people feel good. They sell more business makes more money. Everyone wins everyone you know feels good about themselves feels warm and fuzzy that's what it's all about it's all about the warm yeah. and fuzzy feeling but uh yeah that's uh mason you got anything else about batches or barrels or wood no but i'm excited to give you all an update in about three to six weeks we'll see yeah and i i think i think what we need to do is every podcast we need to do like a little i need to have you taste it and just be Sounds like, good. hey, what's what's going on with it? Because I think our listeners are really going to want to know, like, what's going on with Mason's Barrel Age Manhattan. We're about to find out, huh? We're about to find out. Tonight is when it starts. So yeah. mark your calendar. It is July 26th. So maybe by I think August 26th or September 26th, we might have we might have a finished product. Yeah, my goal is to do what well, you like a heavy aged cocktail. I want it to be really strong. Mm. I want it to be powerful, but we'll see. 
again, I don't know how much flavor this this small barrel is going to add into this, but when actually week to week tasting. Yeah, the smaller the barrel, typically the more flavor you're going to impart because your your ratio of liquid to oak is surface higher. Area. Yeah, um, it's all about surface area. Yeah, so you might you might be able to get more flavor in a shorter amount of time. We'll maybe see. maybe one month from now we'll be pulled and decanted. Who knows? Yeah, you'll be sipping on it in uh, in a month's podcast. I'd be like, yes, please. <laughs> Well, I guess until next time, uh, shop assemblagebevco.com. Check out the merch. Like I said, hopefully the golf apparel will be out soon. I'm hoping to have golf hats, golf polos, maybe some quarter zips. Um, you know, who knows? But I'll have a full golf line hopefully in a couple weeks on assemblagebevco.com. I'll be sure to make a social media post about that. Make sure you like, subscribe, smash that subscribe and like button wherever you listen or watch. We really appreciate it. It really helps us to keep going. Um, And until next time, I'm Adam. I'm Mason. And keep Keep on on blending. Fuck yeah, dude. All right. We love you guys. Peace. Peace. And uh, until next time, see you.